Hello and welcome aboard Fighting Catholic Jet Lag. My name is JC and I'll be your host for this podcast. I'm a flight attendant and I'm on a journey to find my place within the Catholic Church. I'll be accompanied by my friend and co-host, Father Larry Hostetter, a priest of 34 years and a doctor of sacred theology. He's a Catholic University president. And for our discussion, he'll serve as spiritual ground control to keep things on course for our flight back to faith. We'll be navigating through difficult and uncomfortable issues, so prepare for a bit of turbulence along the way. There won't always be easy answers, but no subject will be off the table. If you're ready to explore your own doubts and questions and reclaim your faith with us, then sit back, buckle up, relax, and enjoy our flight to faith. Are we ready to go? So this weekend, I I come out on Saturday morning, there's uh, a puddle of water in my kitchen or liquid. I thought, oh, great. One of the dogs peed on the kitchen floor. It was an odd pattern, though. So I cleaned it up and it didn't look like pee. And uh, Upon further inspection. Upon further inspection. (laughs) So um, I let it go. And then a little while later, it was there again. And I said, this is odd. And then I looked up and there was a drop of water hanging right over the spot in the ceiling. And then I looked a little over the side and the drywall had uh, started to peel off and I had a leak. That's the worst. The worst. No, the worst is bringing somebody in to come fix it on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Even though he did a great job. Yeah. Fantastic job, but still. They don't give you like a holy discount. They don't give you a holy discount, you know, (laughs) Sunday morning discount. I know they do at Starbucks. I see those robe chasers. Right. They're like, the last time I was in there. You you see what? They're called robe chasers. That's what Ben calls them. People who just like chase priests around so they can buy them coffee. You know the ones. I rarely have that happen to me. That is not true. I know that's not true. But there is a priest. Starbucks. Star Wars Wars Bucks. There is a priest in town that when he goes in there, I mean, I he just waits for. <laughs> <laughs> he got in line, and I he was. There were a few people in front of me. When I got up to the counter, I said, "I'd like to pay for his coffee, whatever it is." And she goes, three people in front of you already tried to do that." So that's a road chaser in a nutshell. Well, the first time, okay, the first time that I went to mass at the cathedral when I moved here. Um, Bishop McBrath was there and he was like a few seats in front of me and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go say hi. And I didn't even get a chance. He was just flocked with women all over, just like going up to just like be in his presence. And I went home and I'm like, Ben, I didn't even get to say hi. And that's when he said, Oh, those are rope chasers. There's a lot of those in, in the still. So, Oh my, I know. Lauren, is that you? Does that describe you, Dr. McCrary? You Does know Dr. the one. Dr. McCrary comes from a long time, Catholic, old time Catholic family. Road chasing family. One of the original Catholic families in, in, in this community. Yeah, I would say my family definitely would tend to the needs of a priest. They love their yeah, priests. Yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah, we do. We, I mean. How can we get over this clericalism if y'all continue to feed it? Hey, one time I was in the Detroit airport and I was going up to get my food from McDonald's and someone offered to pay for it. I'm like, you can clericalize me all you want. 
don't act like you don't enjoy the occasional coffee. What else? Rosary thrown your way. Yeah, I mean, no, I, come on. I, I don't believe that for a second. I, I feel like it obligates you. To what? Like I don't penance know, but or like something, but do I, people slide into confession? They're I, like, remember that thing I got you. Yeah. Don't get don't give. I'm not saying ten rosaries. Yeah. I'll say five. Do you get that a lot? No, never. But I don't get that many. I'm I'm not so I haven't been in a parish, so I don't get a lot of gifts and things. I just recently I've we've gotten to office. where the people have started giving me some uh, uh, liquor. I remember when I was a young priest, I would say I was looking at these older priests, and people would buy them a bottle of bourbon at Christmas time, and I was thinking, How Hello, do I get on the bourbon get train? The you gotta you gotta be How is it older. Jealous? Okay, you gotta be older. You gotta be older. This is kind of like the equivalent of like women who are going on dates and getting like free meals, like on Tinder. Is it kind of like that, but for priests? What's Tinder? Okay. Don't worry about it. Anyway, welcome to our podcast. That's Father Hostetter. And JC Hart sitting across from me. And this is Fighting, Fighting Catholic, Catholic Jet, Jet Lag. Lag. And we're happy that you You're are here. here. So um, did we do enough of the uh, Kiki? No, we haven't even started okay. yet. We're literally, she like just turned the mics on. Well, okay. Because we've got a couple of clarifications we want to do. Yeah, so we do. We really sure. mess some things up. Well, I don't know if we messed anything up, but you know, oh yeah. Hey, before um, we start though, do you know what today is? The Feast of St. Rose of Lima. And? Come on. Monday. Oh, close. Keep going. Tenth episode. This you is forgot our anniversary. Our anniversary. And Great job. Rebecca, our co-director, got us some nice merch, which yeah. we will put pictures of on the Instagram account, Fighting Catholic at Fighting Catholic Jet Lag. Well, I'm Gmail. so pumped. I've been excited all day for my present from you because I know you wouldn't forget our anniversary. So I'm sure that's coming later on. Maybe some flowers, some gluten-free cookies. I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. Here. Yeah. <laughs> I got some digestives. Father Larry brought cookies that have gluten in them. So Well, uh- <laughs> So anyway, um, welcome to our podcast. Yeah, I didn't get anything because, um, you know, uh, that's one of the advantages of, of what of being a priest and being celibate. I don't have to remember anniversaries. Well, now you do. Yeah. Although oh I always remember Lauren, who's also my chief of staff. I remember her birthday and stuff, don't I? You say I put it on your calendar. Yeah. <laughs> so you did. So hey, uh, her birthday is a holy day of obligation. She, you should when be she arrived, what four years ago now? Almost four years. Yeah. Three. Uh, I have all, all the employees' birthdays are on my calendar, or used to be. And um, uh, she said, "Now we're not doing birthdays. I don't want to have to do this thing where I have to think about what you're. I'm going to give you." Did you believe that? And I did until I saw, until I saw that somebody had put her birthday on my calendar and it wasn't me. So, and the only other person that has access to my calendar is Dr. McCrary. Um, Dr. McCrary, would you like to clarification on this? I don't recall it, but it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, well, don't worry. Don't worry about me. I guess I didn't know we. You don't watched give gifts. Song of Bernadette. Oh, yes, I did. I watched and it. After. Lauren has it now, but she said she doesn't have a DVD player. 
but she does have a PS4 or PS5. So, and you know, she doesn't have a PS5. I'm like, I think that's what I have. <laughs> She's like, is that like a place? Is that a Nintendo? Yeah. So, so tell me uh, what your favorite part was. If you all haven't seen the Song of Bernadette, it's a black and old black and white movie, and the um, woman who played Bernadette, Jennifer Jones. Won Jen. the Academy Award for this. So, what was your favorite part of this movie? Wow. It's a story of Our Lady so of Lords. Many good things. Um, I would say, though, on the Catholic meter of best Catholic films, it rates below The Sound of Music because you know that's my all-time favorite, but higher than Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> but you realize. Oh yeah, sound of music did actually happen, but not in the way they describe it, right? I mean, it's not, uh, don't don't ruin this. The hills please. are alive, and they and they are, and they will remain yeah. alive. Okay. So yeah. Well, I will find some more. Jen was great. Catholic movies for what you. What are so, some other Catholic movies that you like? Uh, no, let me guess. In my mind. Let me guess. No. It is Sister Act number two, back in the habit. I don't ever saw Sister Act number two. Are you? I saw the first. Kidding one. me? How yeah. are you? This should no. be day one of preschool. Is you need to watch. All of all of these movies. So the, the best movie, Catholic movie that I've ever watched is Babette's Feast. Oh, Babette. Uh, Babette. Yeah, her, she's French. Darling name. Babette is a Christ figure in this movie, mm. and she sacrifices all for these folks. It's a really beautiful, beautiful movie. That if you like cinema at all, you you will love this. Love movie. the cinema. I love it. Well, that they look real enthused, folks. I mean, so. <laughs> The special effects are incredible. Yeah. Um, well, my favorite movie, my favorite Catholic movie is about. I thought it was Sister Act 2. Oh, that's one of them. Uh-huh. I've got so many I can hardly choose. But it's about just this this wonderful woman who decides to give her life over to song and dance and become a nanny of seven children. And it's a, it's a beautiful piece that... Lots of Mary great Poppins? costumes and Mary Poppins? lots of throwing your hands in the air and spinning in circles. Sound of music. And uh, fleeing from the Nazis. Yeah, there is that in there. Mm-hmm. There is that in there. But there's also um, great cinematography mm-hmm. uh-huh, and songs. And, is that uh, a Rodgers and Hammerstein? Hammerstein? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm dying to go to Austria to do the tour. Promise it'll be out of taker. Is uh, Salzburg? I think it's near Salzburg. Salzburg. Isn't it? Salzburg. Uh, Salzburg. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, Father Larry so got you, complimented on his German accent last week. I uh, did not get complimented on mine. I don't know what that's all about, but. Well, it helps if you spoke German before you spoke English. Yeah. Like you. Yeah. Um, so, anything else you need to bring everybody up to date on in terms mm. of. I got my leak fixed. Oh, glad to hear you, that. Uh, I'm flying this week. Yeah. I'm going. I have a long Milwaukee. It's actually a really good layover. We get 70% off at the bar. <laughs> that's a pretty that's a pretty big deal. This is a hard trip to get. That, that's pretty that's a nice deal. Yeah, yeah, it's a really nice deal. If you're in Milwaukee, see you there. Tell me a little about the women's oh. conference that you all. Um, so we went to a conference this weekend out at a local place called White Chateau. Have you ever been out to White Chateau? It's really pretty. It's like in the country, mm-hmm. Love it. and they it's gorgeous. So they had belongs to one of our trustees, Suzanne. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's amazing. So 
um, I know her through Lauren, Dr. McCrary, and she's wonderful. And she put on this amazing conference and it's for women doing their thing. And it was very inspiring. And I got a lot out of it. So this is my second one I've been to. Out so there. I was inspired. What were they? What was the, the topic? Fueling yourself to be your best self. And we had a local gal that was one of the speakers, Bridget Reed, who has Bloom with Bridget. And she was an amazing, she was amazing. She spoke and then. That's her podcast. Bloom yeah. With Bloom with Bridget. And then Jess Ekstrom. She was awesome. She created this charity called Headbands for Hope. And for every headband she sells, she donates one to a child in need who is going through like cancer treatments and, um, it's really cool. So she was a really great speaker too. And we had this fabulous lunch and just a really great day to just sit and be in a great space with other women and kind of, you know, just get inspired. So it's awesome. Firing up each other's light. Yes, that's, that's exactly it. So, um, yeah. Ding. Ding. That's time for the clarificational. Okay. So we've got a couple, don't we? I'm exhausted now. Is this over yet? The Kiki took took up some time. We're not going to keep all that. Yeah. I love how Rebecca Rebecca just figures out what to cut, what not to cut. She's so good. So obviously anything that JC says is really funny uh, (laughs) that she says, cut, cut, cut. Cut. Usually stays in. Yeah. Yeah. So last week we did uh, the second part of uh, Our Lady. which we focused on the perpetual virginity of Mary. And I do want to, um, it's not really an apology, but just to acknowledge that, yes, during that episode, I did say we were going to look at Mary as mother of God and the immaculate conception of Mary, but we ended up focusing only on Gretchen. Gretchen. Gretchen Gretchen is the other name. Sorry. Gretel and Gretchen. Can you start over? No. Um, So uh, basically the motherhood Mary's mother of God and the Immaculate Conception are also part of the dogmas of the church. We'll have to come back to them yeah. someday. Okay. Another question we got that might need a little, just a brief clarification was from one of our listeners who asked us from a few episodes ago when we talked about uh, God being that we can see God um, not just as father, but perhaps even as mother or with other metaphors Mm -hmm. um, asked, but didn't Jesus privilege um, the title of God as father by himself calling God father? And I think that's a good question. Yeah. And I think this, there's, there's truth in that um, because Jesus taught us. Yeah, we do. We have incredible listeners. Yeah. Taught us the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, which starts as Abba, Abba, which is the kind of a way of saying Dad in in the Aramaic. Um, but Jesus definitely, at least the way Scripture presents it, saw his relationship with God as a um, a paternal one. He was, he was God, the Father, mm-hmm. um, and he referred to God as Father, mm-hmm. um, and for that reason that we we also do the same. I mean, there's plenty of examples in all Christian faiths where God is referred to as father. Mm -hmm. That does not uh, preclude the possibility of also seeing God in other 
ways. Right. Uh, in a maternal way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all open. It's to all, interpretation. It, it's, it's open. We, I think the term father is privileged because of Jesus's language himself, but it is not exclusively so. Right. So if somebody can relate to God better uh, through another image, yeah. they should by all means so through the mother. use that. And of course, as we said so last time, feminine. you know, the problem with seeing God as male mm-hmm. is that we see him typically, we, when we imagine him, uh, it's those in power that present God as the, the kind of ideal male uh, that, right. for that particular culture. And since there aren't women in power within the Catholic Church, then of course there's it's not it's going to be seen as male, it, for the most part, yes. yes. So that's why it's okay to bridge out outside of that and and uh, uh, perhaps see God with in a, in a broader way. I like that. Very good clarification. So and then we had one other one, didn't we? Oh, after death, our bodies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. We had a question. That came up of, I was a little unclear. Well, I don't think you were unclear so much as I was unclear. Oh, in thanks my for sharing the responsibility. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're in this together. This is, we are co-hosts. So <laughs> there was some confusion about whether, go ahead, explain what. what well, the what. confusion was, um, I had said, or you had said, oh, with Mary, her body assumed to heaven. Right. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's going to happen to all of us. And then it kind of, I had kind of heard it, and as well as a listener, I'd heard it as, okay, so do you really think that our bodies are assumed right. to heaven as soon as we die? No. No. When and do I they think go- we got to that eventually at mm-hmm. the end of the – Yeah. We, like I said, we get – to, Do you think anyone listens fast to the Kiki though? I don't know. So we might need to clarify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it doesn't hurt to clarify things because <laughs> you know people like bounce around. But yes, when we die in this world, our bodies are laid to rest because the soul has been separated from the body, and we get to um, uh, go go to heaven or wherever our destiny is as as souls. But as souls, we are incomplete human beings. We are not fully who we're called to be as human beings because we're embodied spirits. Our bodies and souls are one together. And so if we're just a soul floating around, we're, we're never completely human. Um, and so the Catholic tradition and most Christian traditions have the understanding that in the last judgment, the bodies will be raised up again and... And you um, reunited with their souls, and we will have glorified bodies. And that Do you Mary, think that's actually going to happen? Mary prefigures that, yes. Okay. So that's a dogma. But we don't know what it means. We don't know exactly There's what it means in terms know. of what is that body going to look like? Okay. You know, that kind of thing. So We just know we will have good eyebrows, and we will be at our goal weights. What, unless it's an unreasonable weight for you. Birth weight, Mother Larry. Birth weight. <laughs> we will not have any, the, the, the glorified body will not give us any grounds for body shame. No body shame in heaven. Yeah. All right. All right. So those are our clarifications. I have to say my favorite part of our podcast is when 
the commercial comes on and your husband Ben everyone talks that's, about that. He is yeah. He needs to do all of the commercials. And I think famous. he could be a famous commercial voice. I know for anybody. He has a great speaking voice. Like, you know, <laughs> when he travels with me, though, um, he gets he people love Ben. He's like someone that he'll be sitting in a row of people he doesn't know and within 10 minutes he's like in their wedding and i i mean there have been a few instances where i'm just like blown away by his ability yeah he um he has a great speaking voice he has a great ability to make friends and he is very good at podcasting mm-hmm. commercials I, I thought it was great yeah what were we talking about well i think we're getting ready to get to our meat and potatoes okay Today, meat and chips. No, no, fish and chips. Fish and and potatoes. You know, um, in Owensboro here is a a Catholic high school. And I want to say something about about that just for a minute. I used to teach there. And so the other day I got a phone call from, uh, or not a phone call, but a text uh, from a couple of members um, from the class of 95. And they said, we'd like to organize the class of 95 for prayer service. One of our members is in the hospital in a, a coma on a ventilator because oh. of COVID. Oh my gosh. And I said, here in Owensboro. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will, um, we can use chapel if you all mm-hmm. want. So on Sunday, I bet there were a hundred people there uh, gathered in the chapel mm-hmm. uh, at the university. And we just prayed the rosary together um, for this person. Now this, they graduated 26 years ago, and here's one of their classmates gets sick, and boom, that's incredible. They're, they're all together, and I think Lauren is a graduate of Catholic High. I think that's something that is kind of instilled in that particular high school, high school's culture. So shout out to Owensboro Catholic High. Um, hey, you know, continue to do a great job. Yeah. So, but because you, you know now you are in parochial school, uh, so did you get your picture? Parochial school. Um, I sent in my headshot today for uh, my parochial school ID. Were you wearing like a little uh, green and white checkered uh, bandana? Uh, no, I wish I would have. Um, no, I just took a picture of me and with Ben. I just like cut him out, and um, and then I like gave my eyes a little sparkle and then I sent it in like, here you go. Smoothed out some of those wrinkles on the forehead. So I look at least between the ages of 18 and 21, I hope. So, yeah, but I, I sent it and I'm like, I hope this works and I will die if she writes back and she's like, what is this? Sure. We should. And we should also should share, um, the picture of Lauren as domestic goddess. Yeah, she really uh, is a goddess. So the w- the president's office is having an open house tomorrow. Biscuits with the boss. Yes, cookies and biscuits and I, snacks. Well, I, and so Lauren baked all weekend with her mom, and um, we'll put it on the Instagram. Yeah, we'll definitely be Catholic an Insta post. Thanks, um, and we actually have. Um, Yes, thank you, Sally. I know Sally listens sometimes. Yeah. Um, and we will put this picture up because it's really, really good. Oh, that's a good and angle. I was actually doing it. Too. That's really <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Love it. Cool. Well, so I'll be at the event tomorrow. Okay. Uh, students ha- can come from, is it nine to one? They can come nine to 
three. Three, but we, after one o'clock, we're allowing staff and faculty to come and to eat the rest of the cookies. So, fish and chips. Fish and chips. So today, uh, the suggestion was we talk maybe a little about purgatory. Yeah, that's a that's a big one. That's one of those big Catholic things. Like the, it's just a big elephant in the room. So what what is it? Um, what is it you know about purgatory? Okay. What, well, well, if we were just any of you, what what when you think of purgatory, what comes to mind? So the penalty box. The penalty box, the penalty box. The penalty box is, is is you referring to a hockey game, right? Right. So hello to whoever is listening in Canada. We know you're out there. Yes. We just made a hockey reference. Yes. And that's probably the extent of it. I think that's a great way to put it. So when you were when you were going through catechism class, yeah. What did how did you what did you think of purgatory? Okay, so there's a lot of misconceptions. Yeah. Well, what I initially thought was purgatory, I never touched it. I mean, I just thought this is so weird. I know I'm supposed to believe it, but this is really odd. Like, I mean, it's not in the Bible. It's like um my Protestant friends thought it was a little weird. So but then whenever I was in um, RCIA class, I got a better understanding of it. So my understanding is it's like a purging of your soul. And it's kind of the way that we can enjoy heaven because it purges all the sin out of our hearts and everyone else is too. Um, but I don't know how long it is. I don't know. Well, that's how. the thing. Is there time in purgatory? That's the question. Yeah. Cause you know, I, I'm, so like, is it, is it the part, like, is it something you'll be there for years? Is it like in that Disney movie Coco where they're like at a train station? Is it like when people, you've got to watch it, add it to your favorite Catholic movie list. It's actually really good. Um, is it like when people are like, oh, I'm going to the light, I'm going through a tunnel. Is that purgatory? Are we in purgatory right now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are some routes. I feel like I'm as close to purgatory as I can be. So what that is there a fast pass? What, is a fast pass? Rebecca yeah, there is. The miraculous, is there a fast pass? Yeah, the miraculous medal. If you're holding on to right. it when you die, you go straight through purgatory. Is that you true? You go past purgatory? You go through it. Through it. Just just visiting like a monopoly. So it sounds like it's a place. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. And it sounds like it's a place you have to hang out for a little while before you can get to heaven. Yeah, absolutely. And why do you have to hang out there for a little while before you get to heaven? You have to hang out there because you're a sinner. And so it's the last. And that's a common understanding of purgatory. And it's probably the way a lot of people thought of purgatory. And unfortunately, purgatory and the whole question of indulgences are part of Catholic teaching, but uh, is also the source and reason why the Reformation happened. Mm. There might have been a Reformation anyway, but maybe it wouldn't have been as, as disruptive if people had had a better understanding of the notion of purgatory. Um, so purgatory is basically the idea. And here's the, the, the thing about what the church has said about purgatory is only that purgatory exists as an experience of purgation, an experience of purification. The word yes. purgation. Purging your soul. Yeah. You're, you're purging and purifying. And so it, you, what you're saying is it's kind of like after a night out on the town and you come home and you purge your soul so that you can have your Pedialyte and sleep in in the morning. Is that what purgatory is? Uh, if that's a metaphor that helps you to grasp 
purgatory, then yeah, go with it. But I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm having all sorts, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah. I know what you just said. I'm imagining all sorts of things that would be very uncomfortable and difficult, but ultimately releasing. That is a really great way of putting it. Okay. As a Catholic university president, thank you for saying those words. Okay. Yeah. You so, just feel better. Yeah. And it's, Whatever metaphor you can find to describe it doesn't matter. It works, it works. you know. So, uh, it, but it is an experience of being purified mm-hmm. after um, you have had uh, after you after you die, and so the church believes that when we sin, we ex- we have some kind of uh, deep rupturing experience in our lives and our relationship with God, and. <laughs> Um, as a result of that, there is um, residue left over or scar tissue, residue, scar on. tissue, scar tissue. So, you know, sometimes people have to have serious surgery or multiple surgeries to cure them of an illness or to treat an, an illness. And you might be better as a result of that surgery, but you might also have a scar. Oh, scars, yeah. And that scar, you know, might be un- not very pretty or it might even hurt at times. Uh, It might um, uh, cause discomfort at times. Well, sin is the same way. When we sin, even after we're forgiven, we end up having something left over. There's there's a residue left over from that. So anyway, uh, basically purgatory is an acknowledgement that even after we've been forgiven, sin has wounded us. Yeah. And the wound has left a scar tissue behind. And that there's... And, and and when we want to enter, when we come in before God, we come go, before God fully cleansed. Mm-hmm. And so, what that's what purgatory basically means is that if we have some residual effects of our sins left on us as a result of our sinfulness, the scars left on us, we experience some purgation to some cleansing before we enter into the full glory of heaven. I mean. But why is that necessary? And why do just Catholics have to go? I don't, you know, could God have done it differently? I think it's a compassionate thing. Yeah. I mean, I think purgatory for me is like, thank goodness for purgatory, because I probably won't be 100% ready right. when I die. I will want to have some time to go into the dressing room and put on my best clothes and, you know, oh, kind of that's a really good get, way. Get, get myself situated before I step into God's presence. Yeah. And so that's, you know, so we come up with all these analogies for, for purgatory. Um, Father <laughs> Alvi, uh, who was used to be a priest here, I loved his, and this works for those of you that wear glasses. He says, if you have, if you have glasses on and you look through your glasses, the world looks as you think it looks. And, and it's only when you take them off and you look, hold them up in light, you see how dirty they are. Mm. And you don't see the dirt until you hold it up to the light. Mm-hmm. So the same thing with our wounds from sin is you don't see them or notice them until they're in the presence of the light. And the one I think Lauren talked about, uh, go ahead and share that. Maybe pull up a little bit closer to the mic and share what, what no, you No, this, this had to do with purgatory. But when we were talking about it's everyone equally is heaven accessible to everyone and you were talking you explained it about in purgatory you're faced with god's love you tell it better do you know what i'm talking about yeah well it was the question of can everybody go to heaven and we said even if you're not repentant 
if if you're open to repentance that when yeah. you when you step into God's presence God's love is so intense that it destroys any leftover sin that we have and cleanses our oh. hearts completely because you can't all the stuff that we want to hold on to and and like that make us selfish that make us prideful that that make us unwilling to 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 love or hinder our ability to love i don't want to bring those things with me into heaven that's part of who i am but mm -hmm. i want them redeemed mm -hmm. you know they're not going to go away completely and so when we step into god's presence it's like this purifying light that the negative parts of me can't exist in the same space mm. and we're wa literally washed clean in that moment and from my point of view it's not a time the church has never said that you spend a time period in purgatory you know it used to be people would get holy cards and say, if you say this prayer you get you know two months off purgatory heck yeah that, i call them purgatory points purgatory Every points time i yeah. do something like really nice I'm like, purgatory points. Yeah, because you can make up for your sinfulness by being a light in the world today. Oh, heck and so yeah. when you're so purgatory a light, points do exist. Yeah, you burn away some of your, your sinfulness. But you know, we have it's it's hard for us to do. We can do it, but with God, it's just like that instantaneous moment when we transition from this life to the next life, boom, we're in God's loving presence and the incredible light of his love just flows through us and everything that is not of God melts away. Okay. That's purgatory. So it's not a time in my mind, it's instantaneous. So it sounds like there it's really misunderstood maybe because it, the way it's kind of, I grew up thinking it was, is it's like, it's this place, this holding place right. that the you're going to be the penalty box, but it kind of sounds like it's, pretty in step with what all religions kind of believe, like the, the washing of your, the purging of your soul, right. getting ready for heaven. It's and, an experience. Yeah. It's, it's, not, a, it's, it's not, not a place. It's not a place. It's an experience. It's right. the experience of moving from this world into the next world. What, what happens in, in that between moment mm -hmm. in, in that, um, that, that time where it's not, we're no longer here, but we're not there yet. Like going through the tunnel like that liminal moment, yeah. you know, the space between. And it's in the space between that we fully encounter God's love. Anything out of God is burned away. And depending on how you lived your life, that experience may be more intense for some people than others. Because, you know, they always talk about how some people's purgatory is longer because they had more sins. You know, so they used to say, you know, more sins you had, the longer you were stuck in purgatory. Well, uh, it doesn't work that way. But I do think... That if you've lived your life primarily against God, in hate, mm -hmm. in greed, in pride, and then at the end of your life, you really wanted to be with God and, and you accepted God's love, then your experience of having all that burned away is probably going to be a little bit more intense than somebody who uh, maybe you know did good all their life and, and tried to do the best. Yes, as you were raising your hand because... Assuming you, that's how you understand yourself. Well, what I, I wanted to pause for a second because I'm I'm thinking though. So what what about those who are have turned away from God their whole lives? 
And, but there, there was something else there that caused them to turn away. There was uh, maybe abuse or there was a lot of grief or something. You, you're only something. held accountable for things that you freely choose. So you freely choose. So, so somebody who was abused all their childhood is going to have some things. Or even just anger at God right. for, for grief. And you, you, you know, those moments that a lot of us experience where we, we turn away from God because we're angry over something else. Can God take that? Or is that something that it's like, great, I'm in purgatory one day, like this is, this is really going to harm the person I care about who is turning away from God? Or do they get kind of like a learning curve? For yeah, I think we're as human beings, we have a lot of baggage. And in as much as that baggage impedes our ability to make free choices, mm -hmm. so is our responsibility for our choices limited. Right. Some couple of saints um, have described the moment of death as when we're given our final choice. We stand before God and God says, I'm here, pick me. Mm -hmm. You can have eternal life with me. Um, and if you've spent your whole life living in sin and selfishness, that may not be attractive. Mm -hmm. Freely living, not, not somebody who's, who's got some things that have damaged their ability to make good decisions, but somebody who's freely made those kinds of choices. And I don't know if that person exists. But you stand before God and you have that ability in that liminal space, the space between here and there, mm -hmm. you have that moment of choice and you can reject God because God doesn't want you eternally with him if you don't want to be. Mm -hmm. But my thinking is most human beings, when faced with that overpowering eternal love uh, that gets at the very heart of our being, burns into our, our mm -hmm. very being, uh, are going to be inclined to say yes. Mm. And that moment is when we're purified. Mm. It's at that moment that purgatory happens, I think. And so, you know, is it an easy experience? No. I mean, being faced with our own foibles, our own weaknesses, and, and being cleansed of that is... Uh, it, won't be easy, but it will be a liberating experience hmm. and will allow us then to be unshackled, to come into God's presence unshackled. So is it possible that everybody will say yes to God? Absolutely. I think it's possible. I don't know because I'm not in the heart of everybody, but I can hope, and we as Catholics say that we can hope that everybody can be saved Well, at that moment when they face God's love and they'll accept that love. And we're all made to be with God. Right. Like that's why we were made. Every single one of us, no exceptions. And not to be with God will be frustrated. So for those, if we're all created to be with God, but there are some that it's like, they have to go to hell. They've committed these awful crimes against humanity and against God. So with purgatory though. Well, let me just back. They don't have to go to hell. God's forgiveness is still available to mm. them. So nobody has to go to hell. So the way I envision it is they stand before God's love, stand before God's mercy, 
And if it were possible, if, if somebody were to do this, and I don't know, church has never condemned anybody to hell, um, it stands for God's love mercy. And they say, no, thank you. So you're, it's sounding like it's pretty hard to get into hell. Like it sounds like it's, it always sounded like it was much easier to get into hell than what you're kind of saying. A lot of Christians believe that. And that has not been, uh, that it's also been seen in the Catholic church. I mean, there are some people believe that more people go to hell. It's a choice then. But from my perspective, I think we have grounds to believe from sacred scripture, my own experience of God's love, our experience of God's love, that when we're faced with that choice, we're going to choose God. Mm-hmm. But we always have to acknowledge that the possibility exists, no matter how remote it might be, that somebody can say, no, thank you. And would but actually it's a choice. Pre- it's not like you, it sounds like, you know, you are, you don't wind up in hell accidentally and go, really? how did I get, get here? here? I mean, if, if you want to choose hell for eternity, it's your choice and you know exactly what you're doing. Now here's the, the clincher though. But if you choose to live your whole life in evil ways, rejecting God in in hatred for others, then when you're faced with that moment, that love might be so abhorrent to you because you've never lived a life of love. Mm. And so in a weird sort of way, you prefer the misery of your own company and the misery of your own. But you're saying God, if, if you are going, God recognizes if you come into that free of anything holding you to that. Right. So those who were only raised to ever know that they're not going, that's not going to be held against right. them. They're yeah. still going to be given a choice. Yeah. So a choice. And I would even think that let's, let's take your example of somebody who, you know, maybe as a child, they were abused right. and made them they anger and they uh, acted out in that anger against other human beings. Um, that wound mm-hmm. from their childhood at that moment, standing before God's love will be healed, mm. which will give them then the ability to almost, it's like almost like you begin, then would see with new eyes and you would see the love before you and you would say, mm. yes, that's, that's what I want. So in purgatory, will we be able, you know, you said it's like the scar tissue that you've, and it's like an undoing of that, maybe even like a, like it, tattoo removal. It, a tattoo removal. Or you know, people have their scars sometimes removed. I hear that's a painful process, you know. Yeah. Well, what about the scar tissue we caused other people to have? Right. Or that other people caused us to have? Um, if something happened and I lost a family member because of someone else's mm-hmm. actions, will they know the scar tissue that was placed on my heart that took me away from God? Will we have that moment where we recognize those you know things. that kind of takes us a little bit away from purgatory to the general judgment you know that in the end we will be judged um uh we're, we're ju- there's two judgments is the uh so that's not what purgatory is well i think what one of the things that happens and i think it's part of the purgatory experience and i want to the get purgatory a, experience. That sounds yeah. like a ride at Disney World. I want to get, <laughs> ride the purgatory experience. Take ride, the fast pass. Get the fast pass through the purgatory oh. experience. So it, I want to kind of call it the purgatory experience because it, it keeps saying it's when we're in purgatory. Well, I don't think we're ever in purgatory except as an experience. Because in implies that there's, again, still a place. So 
while we are experiencing purgatory, we're cleansed of, of the negativity that we've created in ourselves, but also the negativity that others have created. And I think we get to see mm-hmm. the effect of our sins. Yes, that's okay. On other people. On other people. Right. So we will, we will. And that's healing, right? The, yeah. I mean, have you ever I, had that experience where you, oh somebody God. says to you, you know. It's the worst, but the, the best. Right. To know. I didn't, you, did, you, when you said that, it hurt my feelings. I mean, there, I was, is there anything that hurts your heart more? Right. No. But then to, when you're given forgiveness at the end of it, when you're given grace, there's nothing better. It, it was always my favorite way of understanding purgatory. Um, and this might be, some of you all might have had the same experience. So when you're in high school, right, mm-hmm. you're a teenager, you tend to do things sometimes that your parents would prefer you not to do, right? Like, well, what were yours? I, I don't think I need to go Rolling into Stone concerts, 76. I never saw the Rolling Stones. Queen in 77. Queen in 77. <laughs> Give us and, some more. Um, Give the people So anyway, <laughs> were you an angel in high school? You mm-hmm. Probably. Ask Barb. Yeah. Okay. So little B, um, I'm sure that JC was probably the best of your children. I was top four worst of the seven, I would think. All right. (laughs) Top four worst of the seven. So anyway, when you're in your twenties, when you're in twenties or sometimes in your thirties, gained a lot of predatory scars in high school. Yeah. You start, you you look back and for some people it doesn't happen until they have their own kids. You look back and you say, uh, what did I do to my parents? Mm. And you might even have a conversation with your parents. You know, that awkward adult to adult conversation now is like, I don't even want to apologize to you for what I did that made you worry late into the night or, you know, worry about whether I was ever going to be self-sufficient or whether I was going to hurt myself because I was, you know, driving too fast or whatever it Uh was. And you, and sometimes people actually apologize to their parents for, for those things. I think that's one way of understanding purgatory is the realization. Mm-hmm. You have this realization of, oh, when I did that, it affected other people's ability yeah. to get close to God. Good God. Yeah. And so the, the, the marvelous thing about this experience is why I think it's so important, even though there isn't strong scriptural support for this. It is rooted in scripture. There is some. There is some. It's 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 weak, but there is some. It just makes a lot of sense that when we enter into God's presence, all the negativity that we bring with him is 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 washed away. It's kind of like you're getting stepping into the airport into your airplane with a unauthorized bag. And the flight attendant says you're going to have to leave that one behind. We're going to have to check this one because it's not going to fit. This one's too if big. If I touch it, we're checking it. it it's it's got to go into the bin. It's got to go. You know, so um, it's kind of like all the baggage that we bring. Yeah. Which includes baggage that we've done to ourselves, baggage, baggage that we've d- that done to others, and what others have done to us doesn't survive the purifying power of God. God's love specifically. It's like a clean, you know, if you've ever been in a situation where um, you had to be, get rid of all the germs on your body before you could mm-hmm. uh, enter into, you know, a clean room, mm-hmm. you went through a shower maybe, and you went, you see them in the movies all the time where they have, you know, 
stories about pandemics and things. People that are working on, they go through these stages where they're cleansed and they put on clean suits and everything. It wasn't in The Sound of Music, so I didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of what, what we're talking about here. The, the problem with it is that we, again, have made it into something that is negative and unpleasant. Hmm. And we want to really understand that this is about God's power and mercy. So that moment of purgatory is an intense moment when we're in that liminal space between here and there Mm -hmm. as we're transitioning. It is good to know that there are people with us in that experience. And that's why we pray for the dead. Yeah, I was going to ask that next. Why why do we pray for the dead? And, And that's a really Catholic thing. It's part of the Orthodox tradition as well. And it's really basically to let people who are experiencing that moment of death, that purgatory moment that we are there with them. Can we pray for people after the fact? Absolutely. How? Why? How because does God work? is not bound by space or time. So I'll say a prayer for my mother or my grandmother. Who has uh, passed away. Both of them have passed okay. away, my grandfathers. Um, and so you, so, you so, can pray for people after the fact. Yeah, because God knows at that moment when my grandmother died, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years ago, uh, that I would be praying for today. Wow. Because God exists, doesn't exist in time. God so exists. So our prayers are felt and we pray for them. I think they are. I think it's like my grandmother knows, oh, my grandson Larry, my grandson Larry. is with me uh, in this experience. My grandson Lorenzo. <laughs> Lorenzo. Um, you're saying to the purgatory process, the purgatory experience, if you will, right. is a painful one. So praying for those to get through it. I would say it's intense. It's intense. So okay. it's an experience. Yeah. It's like someone with you is, right. an, is an important thing. So we're, so when you, when we say as Catholics pray for those in purgatory, we are praying, what are we praying for? We're saying, get them through quickly. We're saying, I just want them to feel my presence. So they know they're not alone because there are some that die without any, and we're assisting them. them in their purification. We're, we're, but no we're prayer is lost. No prayer, no, no prayer matter how long right. passed. Right. So can and, we... And that, you know, part of this is also the, the Catholic doctrine, which is deeply misunderstood, and we probably need to spend a different one on because it did start the whole Reformation, is the doctrine of indulgences. That in this life, we can gain purification here in this world by doing good things, and we can apply that to ourselves, or we can apply it mm. to those who are going through the purgatory. Experience. Where do you apply your indulgences? That's between me, God, and those oh, I that feel I like an ass for asking that. Definitely, <laughs> um, I think maybe this should be a two-parter. Then, oh, I think I think one of the things we can, we I should probably mention here, but we'll spend some more time doing it more in depth. Is uh, you know, in the Catholic tradition, first of all, there was the question of what happens to babies who, That's who the die question I get and are not life. baptized? So did y'all tell people that babies that weren't baptized are going to purgatory? No, go to limbo. They go to limbo. So, so what's why'd y'all tell whose idea was that? I think it goes back to St. Augustine. It is not, it is not a teaching of the church. What happened to all the babies in Unbaptized purgatory? babies and go to limbo. So limbo was this idea that uh, some Christian writers had where they were like, well, Jesus says we have to be baptized. So lots of babies ba- die before they have a chance to be baptized. 
where do they go? God wouldn't send them to hell. So babies, today's theology would say, that are unbaptized, God brings them into heaven. And we're going to not worry about how God does that. God is just going to welcome God them God does it, and the Blessed Mother watches them from right. my understanding. Okay, if that's that's okay, yeah. That's yeah, good. she does. It's a little like a little, why would you do that to her? Because she's the mother of all of us. She likes being a mom. Of millions and billions of babies. Yeah, she loves it. She big baby monitor. It's our baby mama. It's kind of like being the dugout mom, isn't it, Lauren? Yes. Oh, Mary's a dugout mom. Mary's Mary is a dugout mom, okay. taking care of all the babies in purgatory so that have gone through purgatory. In 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 the old times, Catholic cemeteries would have a place where uh, they would bury unbaptized babies because they couldn't be buried in sacred that is ground. The most. It's messed up. Okay, thank you. It was messed up. Thank you. But it was because people were taking that very literally, and there's really no excuse for it, and people fretted over it. Um, but categorically, no question, no discussion, unbaptized babies do not go to limbo. They go straight to heaven. Um, you heard it here first. You heard it first here. And we want to also do a, a – we've had a couple of questions about uh, what happens, you know, when people die of suicide. Um, and we'll probably talk some time on that too, but I can hear also categorically state, despite what might've been held in the past where we didn't understand the whole issue of suicide and depression and that depression itself can be a terminal illness because Mm -hmm. when, you know, we understand now that when people die from suicide, they're not taking their own life necessarily. Their life is being taken by disease Mm. that we've only begun to understand in the last few decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they too are experienced just as I do that moment from moving from this life into the next where there's coming, no harsher penalties. There's no harsher penalty. It's just they're whatever they're not deemed to hell, whatever is, is they too are purified. What's left behind is the beauty of the person as God wanted that person to be. Uh, they too experience God's love as purifying experience mm. uh, so that who enters into God's presence then is the person fully healed and fully restored to who God wanted them to be. Somebody who dies by suicide, it's a horrible thing for the person and for the family, but it's death by cancer is also a horrible thing for that person and for, for the family. It's an illness, it's certainly different, and the, the emotions and everything else that goes with it is different because people have but survivor's the guilt. Itself. It's it's it was caused by the disease. Right. Right. The disease killed that person, mm-hmm. uh, just as cancer kills mm-hmm. somebody with cancer. So the Catholic Church does not look at it as it's a choice necessarily. Not anymore. Not you know. This is a great example of how a science, in this mm-hmm. case psychology has helped inform the church's theology and understanding. Mm. So the church took very seriously what we have learned from psychology about mental illness and said, because of that, we can say that we we reject how we've understood this in the past, Mm -hmm. where it was seen as a choice and um, uh, and something very hopeless Mm. in terms of the afterlife. That is not the case anymore. But I still have people... When they, when they deal with somebody who died by suicide, asking me just this past week, I want to be sure that they're in heaven. 
isn't you know isn't there something that happens when somebody uh, dies Is by it? suicide that they don't get to go to heaven? And absolutely not. It's not true. Somebody who dies in that fashion has the opportunity for heaven just as any other death. Okay. That's good to know. That's really good to know. Well, all right. I think we're done, huh? Yeah. On that note. So we pray. We pray. I prayed last week. You made me pray a prayer from the heart. So last time you were nodding your head, you were meaning no. So I'm assuming by shaking your head, you're meaning yes, you want to pray. So uh, podcast. Do I get purgatory points if I pray? Yes, absolutely. All right, let's do it. All right, listen up. Um, Thank you, Lord, for bringing us all here. And we just want to take a moment to pray for all of those who have who have died and especially those who are alone in their death. And that's a painful process, no matter what the cause was. Um, So we we are here praying for them. We are with them. Let them know they are not alone, that they will never be alone again. And we ask that you, you lift them up and be with their families, be with each of us. And in your name we pray. Amen. That was a beautiful prayer. And I would just uh, say one more thing. That is one of the best acts of charity, acts of love that any of us can do if we're just wondering what can we do for somebody is to say a prayer to God in the way JC just did, did or just say in Our Father or Hail Mary and ask God to use that prayer to help somebody who's alone, mm. that's dying alone. Because there's people that die alone all over the world. Maybe there's a horrible tragedy in warfare, uh, in a natural disaster say a prayer for that person's experience transitioning from this world to the next to let them know that somebody's there and one day you'll meet that person. So this podcast is ended. Go and love as we have been loved. And thanks be to God. Peace be with you. Amen. Amen. If you or someone you know is struggling and could be at risk of suicide, call the National Suicide Prevention Line at 800-273-8255. You are not alone.